Over the years as a pastor, we always deal with many, many different people, different types of people in many different situations. And as we talk about the grace of God and understanding the grace of God, one of the situations I've run into over and over, usually with the younger younger men, has been the situation where they misunderstand grace and they have found a message of unhealthy grace where they don't feel they have to do anything. And many times when I've discussed it over the years with people and, and shared with them the importance of praying in tongues and fasting and doing these things for your spiritual growth and denying yourself in obedience, you know, these are some words that sometimes aren't around in much of our Christian vocabulary. And we have a lot of talk about faith and believing and miracles and, and anointings and uh, open heavens and receiving from God blessings. But there's another part of the gospel which is equally as important, which is sacrifice, holiness, righteousness, and the spiritual tools to grow, praying in tongues, fasting, private worship, of course, meditating and confessing the Word of God. And so when i was been discussing with some of these people in the past, they mean well, they love God. I know they love God with their heart, but they weren't living right or they were struggling with an area, and I would begin to give them advice on the tools that help me to change my life and turn my life around. And you begin with saying, well, it'd be good for you to first, first step is you begin to deny your flesh the desires for unholiness. Things in the word that we know are unholy, we deny ourselves the right, our body, the right to tell us and to, to give it what it wants. And then you begin the process of transforming and changing the way you think and the way you live and transforming yourself into the child of God that you already are on the inside, but you have to live it, too. And as soon as I begin to say some of those words, holiness, discipline, praying in tongues, denying yourself, fasting, I would often hear the words of, well, that, Brother Al, Pastor Al, thank you for your advice, but those are just works. I'm free of works. I'm free by the grace of God. And they would quote me the scripture I have pulled up here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And they would say, But by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. So that's what they would quote me. By the grace of God I am what I am. In other words, no, by his grace I don't have to fight my body or my desires because I am what I am by the grace of God. This is who God made me. And I would begin to give them advice on how to transform from where they are walking into where God wants them to walk. Because let's be clear, God loves you no matter where you are, and He believes you. And the moment you make the decision to walk into holiness, God is there with you to help you. And the moment you make the decision to press into God with all your heart, God is there to walk with you. And uh, But if you don't make that decision... You're limiting your walk with God. You're limiting all the things that God wants to work through you. And their pathway was one more of, oh, God's going to give it to me in his time. And so they quote this verse out of 1511 of 1 Corinthians. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And by his grace towards me was what was not in vain. And one day when I was reading this myself and just meditating the word, assimilating the word of God, reading it over and over, This verse popped out and exploded in my inner man. And I could tell that this one verse in verse 10, there's a whole universe of thought and understanding that's just in this one verse, and I needed to let that teach me. There's a whole universe of revelation just in this one verse. I'm sure in every verse, but this verse God really showed me and began to make me desire to learn more about the grace of God. So what they didn't do is read the whole verse or quote the whole verse. And that's what I'm going to do for you. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. Now this is the Apostle Paul talking about his life. And really the amazing transformation that he went through. Then he says these words, and this is what they forget to quote. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Now he uses that word labored. And that word labored means work means work hard, make effort. I worked hard. I made an effort. I labored more abundantly than they all. 
Yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. And this is the beautiful understanding of grace, that we have a partnership. We can partner with the grace of God, and it can change our life, change our future. But if we don't partner with God's grace, then we're not going to work towards walking in what he has for us. And that's my sticking point, is many people who are in unhealthy grace give up work, give up fighting, give up denying their flesh, and just, I just, I am who I am. God's making me. He can change me if he wants to. And it's all wonderful. He loves me the way I am. And yes, he loves you the way you are. But he loves you too much to leave you the same. Do you understand he has great things for you and powerful things, world-changing things for your future, family-changing things in your future. Ones where even the history books of heaven, your name will be in it because you walked with God to that place. And that's available for every believer to change the world by the grace of God. But there is a partnership that's required where we partner with that grace. For instance, I'm walking along and God says to me, I want you to quit doing this. But God, every other Christian's doing that. I want you to quit doing that. So I try and I struggle and I say, oh, that's just too much struggle for me to resist that. And everyone else is doing it, God. You haven't told them to stop. Why are you telling me to stop? I'm just, this is who I am. Whereas if you partner with the grace of God, you begin to make the effort to deny yourself that thing, even if other people, God hasn't spoken to them, but he spoke to you. So you have to make the effort and begin to do the work with the strength being the grace of God, not your own strength. Many Christians decide to change, and we call that willpower, that I'm making a willful decision to change my life. And willpower is really your natural man's power to discipline your natural man. And I often say, you can't mortify the flesh with the flesh. You can resist and discipline the flesh. But when you understand the power, the persistence of the enemy, that he comes and he pushes and pushes and from all different angles, that if you're using your own natural willpower to make a change in your life, but that's where you, all you ever do. It can start with that, but that's all you ever do. The enemy will work a way to bring out and crush that willpower. Someone might be able to lift 500 pounds. Well, that's wonderful that you're very strong. If you can lift 500 pounds, you're a very, very strong person. But can you lift 10,000 pounds? How much weight can you hold in the natural it is not compared to what you can hold in the spiritual. And so God has an answer where you can hold anything the devil and withstand anything the devil throws at you. But it has to be that his grace is your strength. You still have to do the work, but his grace is your strength. And that's why I define the difference between works, plural, versus work, singular. That the works that I do, let's look over in Ephesians chapter 2. And just stay with me because I'm trying to help paint a healthy picture of what grace is in our life and how powerful it is and really the dangers of unhealthy grace. Because unhealthy grace will allow you to not confront your flesh and try to build a relationship with God. Think about it. Trying to build a long-term relationship with God where you don't have to live holy or confront your flesh. Now, not everyone who lives and believes unhealthy grace are deep sinners or, or that type of thing, or trying to get away with murder or fornication. But at the root, the unhealthy grace message removes the fight out of people and removes the, the work ethic out of people, the healthy work ethic. And so I'm going to look over here in Ephesians chapter 2. And again, we're talking today about partnering with the life-changing, life-altering grace of God. And verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that is not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, verse 9, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ, Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in 
them. So we are his workmanship. We are proof of God through Jesus Christ, the what he can do in someone's life. Now think about that. What kind of testimonies do people have about you? And I'm not trying to pick on you. I'm just trying to make an example of myself too. Do they look at you and say, wow, I knew you five years ago and you have changed. You are different. That is acknowledging the work that Christ has done in your life. I myself have gone times and know Christians who don't change a lot. You don't see any significant change in their life. We have a saying also that we like to live by is we don't judge people by where they are. We judge by how far they've come. So I know people who look like a disaster, but they've come a million miles from when they started. And then I know people who look wonderful and great, but they haven't changed in 10 years. And and so this is a powerful walk that you're on with Christ. You are in a powerful partnership with Christ, with God, and with His grace as your strength. Everything can change. Your future can change. It doesn't matter how much of a struggle you're facing or what battles you're looking at in your life. You have His grace of God as your strength. But there is work that you need to do. You must partner with that grace. Otherwise, that grace just sits there unused in your life. So the grace of God, the the healthy grace message is you have all of Jesus, all of the Father. You are a child of God, an heir of the kingdom. And all of heaven is standing with you, behind you, and for you. That you can have all that God promised you. But you're going to have to work to partner with the grace of God. Because that grace of God, if you attach to it and hold on to it, it forces you that's not the right word. It encourages you to stay on track and it will pull you into holiness. It will pull you into God's plan for your life. And maybe you've experienced that. that you've grabbed hold of His grace and all of a sudden you're facing things you weren't didn't think you were ready to face. Things you thought, nah, I'll do that next year when I'm ready. But the grace of God says, let's take care of this now. Let's remove this out of our life now. Up in Canada when I was younger, we used to go snow skiing at this one mountain, White Castle Mountain. And it was a very steep, double-diamond snow skiing mountain, not much more than just heavy skiing. I learned to ski there. My friends took me up to the highest part of the mountain, and, and I never skied before. And there's a little trail that said, experts only. And they all went down that trail, and I said, hey, guys, I'm not an expert. It's my first time. And they said, well, better come with us or see you later. And as I went down this trail, it was all steep and double black diamond. That's where I learned how to ski. And it had what's called a tow rope. And the way it worked was it had a rope that just ran up the mountain and came back in a circle. And what you do is you would ski beside the rope, and it had a little thing that you'd pull up behind your rear end, and, and you'd hold on to the rope, and the rope did all the work pulling you. And your job was just to not let momentum pull you out of line. And you just stayed, hold on to the rope, and that rope did all the work. You had to hold on to it, though. And you had to make sure that you didn't get off course. Because if you got off course, you'd, if your skis slanted too much to the left, the rope would keep pulling you, but you go off to the left, and eventually the rope would snap back to the middle and so your job was just to hold on to the rope keep your rear end in the right place and that would push you up or pull you up and stay on course and you would end up on top of the mountain and that's a great example i think what grace is is that if you allow yourself to partner with god's grace it's going to demand something from you it's going to demand spiritual growth it's going to demand effort and work to overcome things, to remove things out of your life that your flesh says, your natural man says, you need this. And the grace of God says, no, you don't need that anymore. You don't need that to feel secure. I'm your security. You don't need that for prosperity. I'm your prosperity. You don't need that for victory. I'm your victory. And Jesus is all those things to us, but most of us, we're not there yet. I don't know anyone who starts off perfect. And so I want to prove today that grace is not the absence of work. It's the absence of works, plural. And the way I describe the difference is works, plural, 
is when you try to do something and offer that as a reason why God needs to do something for you. So, for instance, I remember hearing about the power of confession, speaking the Word of God in for your circumstance over and over again. So if you're going through a battle with your finances, you'd find promises in the Scripture, and you would speak those Scriptures out to remind yourself and help you to believe that God's Word is true and God is true. Because if you don't receive what you say, it's because you don't believe it with your whole heart yet. Well, confession is a powerful tool to speak in the Word of God over and over. is a powerful tool to help you to get to that place where you really believe it. But I heard some people preach that the reason we confess is we stack up our time of confession. I confess for two hours. You take that and you give it to God. And you say, God, I worked, confessed for two hours. So now I need you to give me what I'm asking for. Here's my offering of time. And so sometimes we offer God time of confession, trying to get him to heal us. Sometimes we offer offerings of finances to get God to give us something. Sometimes we offer God uh, works of, I fed the poor God, I've changed my life, I've done all these things, why won't you do this for me? But you see, he's already done everything for us. It's already been paid for by the blood of Jesus. We're the ones that need to change in our belief, not God. God wants you to have it more than you want to have it. And so works is when I try to give God something in replacement of Jesus. Now, Easter time is lines up with the Passover in the Jewish history. And the Passover was a celebration to remind the Jewish people of the time that the enemy, the dark angel, the enemy passed over their houses and did not hurt. The Israel people had the blood over their doorposts, but destroyed and killed the firstborn of everyone else who didn't have the blood over their doorposts. And I heard a preacher one time preaching a beautiful message. He was preaching off a storm on TV. It was a wonderful message about the Passover. And he was talking about the Passover offering. And he went through the Old Testament. And he showed and proved how when they did the Passover offering, which was they ate the lamb, they took the blood of the lamb, put it over the doorpost, they devoured that lamb that night. He showed from the Word all the wonderful things that the Passover offering opened for their life. It opened freedom from Egypt. It opened wealth. They left there with the wealth of Egypt. It opened healing that everyone in the homes left healed, even the ones who were crippled or broken were able to march through the, the desert, got them through the Red Sea. And he went through this whole list, salvation for your family, beautiful message showing how we can put our faith in the Passover offering now, today, and for us to receive these same things. And right at the end, he ruined it. He did the old switcheroo. And he said, now, now that you know what the Passover offering can do, it did for the people of Israel, and it can do for you, we're going to receive our Passover offering. And what I want you to do is to take out your checkbook or your credit card, and I want you to send your biggest, best from your heart, the best Passover offering you can right now to my ministry. And if you will do that in faith, as a seed of faith, you will receive these promises that I read to you. We're going to receive our Passover offering now. And that's one of those moments I started to yell at my TV and my wife asked me to, you know, turn it off. And and I was yelling at the TV and I just, no, no, you ruined it. See, the Passover offering is not your money. The Passover offering was Jesus. That was what it pointed to. He was the lamb. It was his blood that goes over your doorpost, not your money offering. It was his body that we ate, the word of God, and that set us free, the new nature, becoming the child of God. He's the one who made the way. It was his blood that was shed to purchase those things for me. Jesus was our Passover offering, not our gift. And and that's the difference between works and work is if I try to offer something to God to get him to move, to give me something, and Jesus has already paid the price for that, that is a works. Under the law, the works is trying to be perfect in the 613 laws in a way of trying to get God's approval. But we're approved of God in the sense that we're family of God, not because of what we do, but because of who we are. We're born again 
children of God. So the difference between works and work is works is anything I offer God to get him to do something that Jesus already paid for. Or anything I try to offer God to pay him for something that's already been paid for. A work is when I make effort, I personally work towards or make an effort towards challenging anything that contradicts the word of God in my life. I will not accept poverty. I will not accept sickness. But sometimes those things attack or hit you. Well, uh, there's work to do because I know it's not God's plan for me to be in deep poverty. I know it's not God's plan for me to be in sickness or disease. But yet here I am experiencing it. So when I'm experiencing some of these things or in sin, do I go to God and say, God, why are you allowing this to happen? Let me offer you something so you can take this away. That's a works. Work is when you say, I do not receive this or accept this. I've been set free from sin and sickness and poverty by the blood of Jesus. It's been defeated in Jesus' name, so therefore I don't have to receive this. Go. And it doesn't go. It's because there's something in me that's accepting it and not believing for what Jesus already paid for. So I have to go to work. And that's why we pray in tongues and fast and confess the word of God. Because I refuse to accept my natural man's opinion about who I am. Insecurity, fears, jealousies, all those things come from your natural man. And it's our fight to overcome our natural man. So we want to be clear here. The difference between work and works is very important if you want to understand the difference between healthy grace and unhealthy grace. Unhealthy grace mixes work for works. And they'll take scripture and say, I don't have to do anything. I'm born again. I am loved by God. I just have to sit around and God will give me everything because I love him and he loves me and he loves you. But things are going to ch- aren't going to change if you just stay there. You'll stay the same and go around the same mountain over and over again. But there is a pathway of partnering with the grace of God where you will face things and overcome them, not by your strength, by his strength. But if you don't partner with the grace of God, which is work, then you will find that you will keep facing the same thing over and over again. What we call will worship is when you try to use your own strength. And it's like when someone goes to the gym, I'm going to change my diet, my life, and they do good for a while. But then they go back, and they do good for a while, and then they go back, and they do good for a while. It's effort, effort, effort. But the right work with the grace of God isn't just about discipline. It's about mortification. It starts with discipline. It starts with denying and saying no and resisting. But there is a walk of mortification where you begin to get to the root of why you're pulled a certain way. And you begin to overcome that. You begin to conquer that. And we deal with that in the the holiness series that I have coming up on the channel. And so so we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. We we face things that we would, would defeat us and stay with us and control us our whole life. But because we're born again, we now have, by His grace, the strength to confront those, and to walk out of those, and to walk into all that God has for us, including holiness. So Ephesians chapter 2, I'll read this again, verse starting in verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. So you can't find faith, and you can't find grace within your own natural ability. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So you can never say, I, I'm going to pause here because this is one of my issues with many of our testimonies that we hear nowadays. We hear many testimonies of, I did this and God did that. When we understand his grace, we understand that even the strength to do it, do that, came from him. The ability to overcome came from him. So as you get closer to understanding the proper grace, the healthy grace, you start to remove I out of your testimonies, and you start giving God all the glory for everything. And uh, it's very prevalent in our, our financial giving in many churches. I gave God money, and He 
gave me back more. And I do understand that if you're a faithful steward, God can trust you with more. But the moment you start thinking that you purchased it by your action, you start walking out of grace and into your own strength. And this again, this is why it's so important we under have a proper understanding of healthy grace. I'm going to go over to Titus now. We're going over to Titus. Titus is right after Second Timothy. And Paul is writing to Titus. And, and uh, we're going to just take a few verses here. And we're going to read out of chapter 2. And we're going to see what grace in, includes. Okay, I want us to see what grace, walking with grace, partnering, partnering with grace. If you choose to partner with grace, walk in grace, it's going to include your effort in areas. Effort to grow, effort to mortify the flesh, effort to learn. And here's one for verse 11. For the grace of God, Titus chapter 2, that brings salvation, has appearance to all men, teaching us. So the grace of God that brought you salvation. Aren't you glad you're saved? Did you earn salvation? What work did you offer God? What effort did you make to earn your salvation? Well, we know you can't earn your salvation. It's received by faith in what Jesus did. Well, that's the same thing with everything else that is received by faith in what Jesus did through the grace of God. You can't earn it. You'll never be good enough. What effort can you make? What offering can you make to give God something that Jesus has already paid for? For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us, the grace is teaching us, that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. So here's a comment by the Apostle Paul about the grace of God. The grace of God does not just sit on you and then make everything in your life good. You're good. You don't have to try to change. That's what works. If you try to live holy, that's just works. As a pastor, you know, it's part of our job to teach and to mentor and to help people of all shapes and sizes and of all struggles. And it's amazing how there's two types of people mostly that I have found. I'm not picking on anyone because I've been both of those people in my life. Maybe that's a better way to describe it. I have tried to get around God's grace two different ways. One way is that when you're really broken and you don't feel you can overcome, you don't think you can even find the fight in you to overcome, you can fall for the false, unhealthy grace message. Why are you trying to overcome? God loves you just the way you are. So you, it removes the fight. It removes the fight. The other person, the other time in my life, is the one who is very capable, who is very strong, who has very strong willpower and can discipline their flesh, might say, I've got taken care of. I've got control of my body. I've got control of my flesh, which is also out of grace because you're leaning on your own willpower instead of leaning on God's grace as your strength. And the reason many people are attracted to that is because, again, it removes the fight. Hey, why are you fighting with your flesh? Just stop it. Oh, well, that's all I have to do. And so they act like they're holy, and they try to act holy. And But it's not by the grace of God. It's by their own discipline. They're not partnering with the grace of God. And so then the devil comes down later on and beats them up, and they wonder what happened. So there's a grace here that says, when I partner with God's grace, verse 11, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present age. So one of the things when you partner with grace, the moment you're saved, you begin to look at the desires of your flesh, desires of your outward man, and say, you don't tell me who I am anymore. You don't tell me how to be happy anymore. You don't tell me how I'm successful. You don't have a right, outward man, to tell me anything. Because you're falling off of me one day, so my job is to mortify you and get you to get under my feet to live in submission to the true child of God that I am. And by His grace, I have the strength to deny you, resist you, 
and eventually to even mortify you. So the grace is our strength. Healthy grace is our strength from God. Healthy grace is your strength that you have right now from God to overcome your flesh. It's your strength to obey Him. It's your strength to deny your flesh. And it's your strength to do the tools that help you to mortify your flesh. Denying your flesh is when you say no, because your flesh is asking for something. But mortifying your flesh is when you come to the place to where you see the root of why you are desiring those things. And you kill that root. And that root means it's dead. It no longer produces the fruit. And you are now in true holiness. The fruit of holiness comes forward. But until then, you are walking holiness by resisting and denying because you're trusting the Word of God is true. The things your flesh says you need is a lie from your flesh. And so there is work towards holiness. Now we're going to go to another verse here in Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. And again, we're trying to show the difference of unhealthy grace and healthy grace. And letting you know that if you're going to partner with grace, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you everything. Grace is not the absence of work. It's the absence of works where you're trying to give God something. I had a friend of mine, and she had a friend who was a pastor's wife who passed away from cancer. It was a sad day. She had young kids. And, and I remember my friend said, I don't understand why God didn't heal her. She's a great person. She's a pastor's wife. She helps the church. She blesses the church. She works in the church. She lives right. She does all these things for all these years. And then why is she the one that passes away? I know people, this is what my friend said, I know people who are barely saved. They come to church and they're drinking, they're alcoholics, smoking, and they get healed just by being there. And this woman, who's a wonderful, holy woman, passes away from a horrible cancer. Now, we don't judge anyone who fights a fight or, or loses a fight to sickness. We don't ever judge them. That's between them and God. And we're in a fallen world with fallen bodies. And their fight is different than your fight. So we don't ever judge someone in that or try to put reasoning to it. But God showed me something. And I told my friend, I said, you know, because she was blaming God, you know, when when someone's grieving, you don't have to fix them. God's not touchy. But later on, I got to help her and help her understand a little bit. I said, you know, when you're a really good person and you're you're holy and you give your life to God, then it's possible that you can look to that as the reason why you should be healed. God, I lived holy for you. I live righteously. I give my time to you. I'm faithful in my marriage. I'm uh, faithful in my giving. I'm faithful to serve you all these years. If you have those things of good works, you can actually use those works as an offering to God as why He should heal you, when in truth He's already healed you because Jesus did the works. But if you're a drunkard or a cigarette-smoking guy and you come to church, you know the only reason you're getting healed is by His mercy and His grace. That I don't deserve this, but I'll receive it if it's for free. And so you have ability to believe. And that's one of the, the hardships, really, that many of us struggle with was once we start getting a victory in our life, to not use those victories as proof. And that's what Paul meant when he said, I am what I am by the grace of God, that all the th- good things that have come in my life, all the things that I've overcome and accomplished, with my effort to partner with grace, is by the grace of God. It did all the work. I worked harder than everyone else, but the grace is the what did the work in me. We'll go back to that as we close here to 1 Corinthians. But I want to read this here in Hebrews chapter 5. And again, I'm making it a, a teaching effort to prove today that walking with grace is going to take work into learning the truth of the Word of God, to denying our flesh and walking out of sin and unholiness, denying ourselves. It's going to take effort and work and labor. The moment you partner with grace, you are holding on to that rope, and this begins to pull you up to a higher level with God. Many preachers on social media, there's so many preachers out there now, and every once in a while you hear a big talk about, you need to go to the higher level. Come to come to the service. We're going to a higher level. 
And there's so much talk about higher level, like it's an easy thing to do. Just come and let me lay hands on you or let me speak over you, and God will take you to higher anointing, a higher level in your calling. But really, a higher level means a higher price. It means that you are partnering with grace, and it's going to demand that you do a work to grow in knowledge, to deny yourself, to yield over things of your life that you're holding on to. And I'm telling you, even what Paul says, that grace is so demanding and so so much believes in your future that it'll begin to demand that you let go of your flesh. You let go of even the little things that try to sneak in there and say they're okay. And so a life of grace, walking with grace, really means a unique life where you'll have higher standards than many people around you because the grace will demand it. And if you stop and say, that I've done enough, this is as far as I'm going, you actually like going up that ski mountain. You let your skis go off and pull you away from the rope. You let go of the rope and you're only halfway up the hill. Oh, that's enough. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of working. I'm tired of denying myself. And, you know, the moment you pray in tongues, they'll pull you back to that rope and say, get back on that rope because that is going to pull you to the place of holiness, the place of the high call of God where your life is not your own. And I know I'm preaching mostly to people who are hungry for a true revival of God and not just in miracles but in revelation of truth and in integrity, revelation of holiness and character, a revival of these things not just in miracles, but in all areas of love. And so this message isn't for people who aren't trying to change. This message is for people who want to grow into things of God and don't want to take shortcut, because there is really no shortcut to the high call of God. Hebrews chapter 5, and we're going to read here Hebrews 5 and verse 14. Well, we'll start in verse uh, 12. Hebrews 5, verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you, again, the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food. So this is a rebuke saying, you should be teaching this, but you haven't grown enough to be a teacher. You're still needing milk. And you should be at least on solid food by now. So there's an expectation from the writer of Hebrews that once you start walking with God and attach yourself to the grace of God, that you'll grow up, you'll mature, you go from milk to meat, and eventually you'll be able to teach and help feed other people. And the rebuke is, you haven't grown, you haven't changed, and you should grow up. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. So if you only partake of milk, and this is where the milk, not so much a glass of milk, but you are nursed, by someone, maybe a person or a teacher, that that's where you get your revelation. Instead of from the Holy Spirit, you take your milk from a person. Then you're unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. And we have many preachers that give milk, and God bless them, because there's people who won't make it to heaven without them. So we're thankful for them, and God is pleased and thankful with them, who give milk. And milk is something you can digest quickly. So they have simple one-liners to encourage you. But there is meat that starts to demand that you chew yourself and you feed yourself and you grow yourself. And that's another message I don't want to get into yet. Verse 14. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And that's the word I want to focus on is exercise. The word exercise is the same Greek word where we get the word gymnastics. And so the implication here is that when you walk with God and you're going to grow in God, if they were to grow in God, they wouldn't need milk and they wouldn't be struggling with the persecution that was coming against them. They would stand up strong in who they are in Christ and stand up for Jesus but here they were the persecution against them was causing them to waver in their beliefs, waver in their stand of salvation. And here in verse 14, it says solid food. And, and I don't know about you, but I want to be someone who has and walks in solid food. I want to be the one who is grown, not the one who stays as a babe. And if unhealthy grace can get you to quit growing up, unhealthy grace, if you listen to it, can remove the work and make you stop growing, stop making the effort to change, and just wait for it to happen. 
healthy grace says there's work to do. And here's the word it uses. But the solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And that word exercise is like a gymnastics. And we all know when we watch the Olympics how we see these kids go do amazing performances of strength and agility. And I remember one time when I was a kid, I thought, oh, they just did a flip. So I thought, I'll try it. It looks like it's easy until you try it. You find out it's not so easy. And these kids are amazing. We have to understand that from the ages of very young, they're up early before anyone else, and they are practicing, they're exercising. That's the word it's using here, that a lifestyle of practicing and exercising and and perfecting uh, movements and perfecting things to where, you know, 15 years of focus, where most people quit practicing, quit exercising. They're up early at four in the morning going to their practicing of their gym, doing two hours before school and two hours after school while their schoolmates are sleeping in and playing video games. These kids grow up doing so many exercises just so when they get to the Olympic age and are in the Olympics, they can perform and hopefully win a gold medal. And so that is what it means by exercising. That's the word. So, But solid food belongs to those who are full age. So you have to grow up to eat solid food. I don't want us to stay babes. I want us to grow up. That is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised. That you have lived your life and focused your life to exercise to develop the senses to trust in the Word of God more than you trust into circumstances or the voice of your natural man. Your natural man will always tell you who you are and always tell you what you need, but it is wrong. And when you begin to walk in the grace of God, God will begin to ask you to face challenges. And this is why praying in tongues is so important and all the tools, because I'll face a challenge and I don't think I can do it. And I'll even on purpose try to let go of that grace and say, I'll come back next year, or I'll put that off for next time. I'll wait until I'm ready. When you pray in tongues, the Holy Spirit begins to bring you back to that and say, No, you're ready now. Let's begin now. There's been times where I've been ready. The Holy Spirit says, Now I want you to remove this person or this situation or remove this thing out of your life, usually a small sin or something. And I've been right on the line of all I have to do is take the step. And I will kill it. But something in me would, in the past, say, don't take that step, because if you kill it, you can never come back. And so I have held on to sins and stupid things and even people in my life that God has wanted me to remove myself from, only because I wanted to have the right to go back if I wanted to. And that's the cost of grace. You can't move forward with it unless you work with what it tells you to work on. And I want us to be able to say what Paul says. I'm back in 1 Corinthians 15 as I close. And I want to read this again. Because when I read this and the Holy Ghost exploded in me, there's a whole universe of understanding just in this one verse. Verse 10 of 1 Corinthians 15. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. So he's not saying, I am who I am because God made me this way. He's saying, the grace has been the worker and the strength and the direction in my life, and I link myself with it. I worked with it. I let go, it pulled me forward into holiness, forward into truth. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace towards me was not in vain. So I don't want, ever want to hear God say, I gave you grace my strength to overcome and you chose not to overcome it was in vain Paul says it was not in vain God gave me grace to do many things and I walked with it and let it lead me into all kinds of things but I labored more abundantly than they all I worked and made the effort more abundantly than all of them yet 
not I, but the grace of God which was with me. So the grace of God did the work, but I labored, made the effort to go with it. And that's the best example I think I have is is when I would go skiing, and I kept going where I could really ski okay uh, down these steep hills, these steep Rocky Mountains. This is in the northern British Columbia Rocky Mountains. I would ski down the hill and, and ski over to the rope. You put it behind you and jerk you forward, and you just hold on to that rope and kept in line, and it would pull you all the way up to the top of the mountain, huge Rocky Mountain. Uh, there's sometimes you'd be above the clouds, and you can see the top of the mountain, and the clouds would be... You couldn't see below because the cloud you were above the clouds. And that little rope pulled us, did all the work. Well, that's kind of like grace. As long as you hold on to the grace, you still have work to do, but the grace is your strength. So the moral of the message is that you ha- you can partner with God's grace, but make sure it's the healthy grace. Unhealthy version of grace is you don't have to do any labor, any work, or make any effort. Just stay where you are, and God's make you who he wants you to be. So many Christians, they try to find a different relationship with God that removes holiness, removes effort to grow in the knowledge of God. And I hope I proved to you today those are two things that God really expects when you partner with grace, that you grow in the knowledge of God, you make an effort like a gymnastic person in gymnastics to every day make that effort to exercise and to grow in the knowledge of God and make that effort. The effort isn't to give God a a gift of effort. Lord, look at the work that I did for you, so now you should heal me. That's a works. And the works was accomplished by the blood of Jesus. But the work is, I make an effort to follow the, the message of grace. Grace is my strength that I can do it. I can live holy, even though my flesh is screaming at me. I can get up and pray in tongues, because the grace is my strength. I can make changes as the grace tells me. And I want to just pause here as we close. And I want to just caution you that you don't have to be perfect tomorrow. You, so I don't want you going making a list of all the bad things in your life. Well, I need to change this. I need to change that. I need to stop this. I need to get rid of this. I want you just to practice the message that we believe. Praying in tongues, spend time in worship, fasting some, meditating the Word of God. And then as the Holy Ghost begins to confront things, this is His grace. Hey, you know, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't, shouldn't do this. You shouldn't watch that. You need to change uh, what you listen to. You need to walk away from this person or you need to press into more of this. See, that's the Holy Ghost in His grace saying, I'm going to ask you to do something. The Holy Ghost will never ask you to do anything without giving you His grace to do it. And so what that means is His grace is your strength. So if you say, I've tried that before. And I failed. I've tried that before and I failed. The message is you're looking at the wrong place for your strength because the grace will be the, the strength to pull you up to the higher level. You can't go to a higher level because someone lays hands on you or you won't get the higher level from a service, from an offering. The higher level of God only comes in your life as you hold on to the grace of God and allow Him to give you instructions. Let's move forward. And the higher level is when you let go of things that are holding you back. Unholiness, lack of spiritual knowledge, lack of spiritual growth. But you're on a wonderful path. We're on a wonderful path of God's great grace and great strength where we will say, look at how much I've changed. And it took a lot of effort for me to stay on course and not let my flesh take me off course. I did, I labored more than all of them. That's why I've come this far, but it was, wasn't me. It was all God. See, that's the testimony. When you hear someone say, God's amazing, this is what he did, and they don't say the word I. I they don't say, I did this, I gave this, and I made this effort, and God did this. They say, he gave me strength, he gave me direction, he gave me the power, and I yielded over to it. He did it all, and look what He did in my life. Look at how much I've changed. This is your future. You'll be able to look back and say, I can't believe I'm at the top of the mountain. I didn't know how I was going to get there. I tried before to climb up, and I got tired and got tired. Well, that's because you were trying it yourself. But now you'll be able to say, 
I don't know how I got up here. It wasn't my strength. It wasn't my ability. It was His grace. And that's what Paul said. Look at how much, I've, how far I've come. From a murderer, from someone soul trapped in religion. And look how far I've come. And it cost me. I labored more than all of them. But it wasn't me. It was His grace that supplied everything. And see, when you can always hear when someone understands healthy grace because they remove the I out of their testimony. You understand that even the strength to do what He asks you to do comes from Him and not from your own willpower. Even the, the strength to face things that you didn't think you can face. Even the strength and the courage to overcome things that used to beat you up all the time. All of that has come from Him. He supplied it all. And it's not just instantly that you're born again. You instantly are transformed. Transformation is a process. And you have to hold on to that rope so you can walk through that process. And it will cost you. This type of Christianity, the grace, the healthy grace message of Christianity, will cost you everything. Everything in the natural. It'll cost you your power to make it happen. It'll cost you the power to direct your steps. It'll cost you the power to live the life that other people live. It'll cost you everything. But where it will take you is amazing and world-changing and life-changing for you and for your loved ones and people who know you. God has great things for you. Let's hold on and partner with the grace of God, the life-changing grace of God, the life-changing, healthy grace of God. Father, we pray right now. We know we're not strong, but you're strong. We know we're not smart, but you're smart. We know we're not wise, but you're wise. We don't pull from the world its wisdom. We don't pull from the world its strength. We don't pull from this world even its motivation. You're everything to us. So we dedicate our life to you right now. We yield our life to you. We know we're not perfect. We know we have a long ways to go. We know we have a lot of things to learn and a lot of things to overcome. But by your grace, we won't give up and you won't give up on us. We want more of you. We want all of you. We give you our life and we yield our life over and attach and partner with your grace and your direction. In Jesus' name, our life is yours. Amen. And I pray as you prayed that with me, that God's presence, His peace, His grace comes upon you. Whatever you're going through, whatever you think you're lacking, you're right in the perfect will of God today. No matter what mistakes you made an hour ago last week, today, right now, you're in the perfect will of God. Start listening and obeying Him moving forward. And, and you are in His grace now. Let's keep going. Let's grow Like I said, we don't judge people by where they are. We judge them by how far they've come. And some people may look like a mess, but don't judge them because they may have come a million miles just to get there where other people look great, but they haven't changed in 20 years. Well, we want to be people who keep growing and keep moving forward and keep going up that hill to the high call of God. Let's keep going so we can change the world and and be blessed by God. God bless you. Thank you. Again, for spending time with me. I appreciate you.